This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Got an exciting promotion to tell you about from Matchstick Golf. They have a limited release pimento cheese sandwich ball marker that they made to celebrate the 2022 Masters. They completely sold out. The only way to get one, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave a review with what place you think Tiger Woods will finish in at the Masters. Whoever is closest will get this beautiful, exclusive marker from Matchstick Golf. And remember, use promo code TURN20 at checkout for 20% off at MatchstickGolf.com. Matchstick Golf, set fire to the greens. Spring is here, and once again the azaleas are in full bloom. Signs of natural wildlife are suspiciously absent. Why, you can almost smell the pimento cheese sandwiches from here. Hello, friends, and welcome to At The Turns Master's Preview. So fired up for this episode. Master's Preview is here. We're going to talk tiger We have a gambling expert on to break down how to actually make money from this thing. And then he's going to judge the picks of me and Nick, which will probably be below average. Before we get to any of that, I do want to remind you about this promotion that we have. Wednesday is the cutoff. If you don't pop it in there Wednesday, it doesn't count. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts with your master's winner. If you're correct, Piper Golf is going to send you a sampler pack of their golf balls. If you can't wait, go to piper.golf. And turn 10 is the promo code you need. A writer from NBC Sportsbet, NBCS Edge Golf. You can follow him at Amateur Status on Twitter. Patrick McDonald is here. Patrick, thank you for sparing some time. Joe, Nick, thanks for having me. I, uh, you know, after this, I'm definitely going to be leaving a five star review myself to get in that contest. You are there eligible. You Guests are eligible. <laughs> He's a guest. He's a listener. He's a fan. We love it. And Joe, I, I just have to qualify what you said earlier. I'm pretty confident in my picks. Like I'm I'm actually riding high on my picks. So I don't I don't think Patrick's gonna have too much to criticize once we get to to the picks portion a little later on. Um, but we'll get to that when we get to that. I can't wait. Bold <laughs> statements, bold statements early from Nick. So let's start with Tiger. Tiger Woods is teeing it up. I looked 
Patrick, you probably know this because you're a professional. Nick, you know the last time Tiger played in a PGA Tour event? I mean, it must have been November of 2020, right? It wasn't the and, accident? And, like and do you know what event occurred in November of 2020? Wait, it wasn't. No, I don't. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Patrick's nodding. You're almost there. It's, uh, you know, it's next week. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, baby. That, that is epic. The 2020 Masters was the last time he teed it up. And he actually shot a first round 68 and scared all of us, but eventually moved back in the pack. But Tiger is teeing it up. Um, you know, early last week, folks were tracking his plane like Santa Claus on Christmas Eve. Patrick, what was your take on all that? The, uh, the tiger tracking of him playing his practice rounds at Augusta. I mean, it's fun. It gets like, you know, the average golf fan excited, which no other player, you know, I love the Scotties, the Colin, the victors of the world. No other player can drive that attention like tiger woods. And it was, you know, you bring up Santa Claus. It was fun to feel like a kid again, right? You know, tiger's moving around. He's doing something. We're tracking his whereabouts. And, uh, you know, he is going to play uh, this upcoming week, and I, I can't be more excited. I hope uh, he puts his best foot forward, and, you know, hopefully he can get four rounds uh, for us. Well, I, I got to chime in on that, Joe, before you, before you follow up. Because the first thing I had seen about it, honestly, was I think it was Kevin Streelman tweeting his, like, Southwest flight to Texas. And he's like, in case anybody wants to track this. And I'm like, why? What is, what is this all about? Like, why is Kevin Streelman tweeting his flight? Like, did he do something? Is he in trouble? Is he eluding the law? And then I start scrolling through Twitter and, and it's, it's a funny algorithm. Like that was the first thing that it showed me. But then I start seeing all these, um, these tiger, you know, track, private jet tracking. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's happening. Tiger is in Augusta. Well, and it's not like the golf channel had a camera out there following while I was playing his practice round. This is all just people saying things on social media and still being that excited about it because that's how much tiger still moves the needle. I don't really have much of a take on Tiger playing other than that's awesome and I hope he plays well and makes the cut. Really, the only thing I have to say is I don't think I'm splitting the atom here. This is awesome for Scotty Scheffler and Victor Hovland and Brooks and everyone else who came in as a big, big favorite to this tournament. The attention ain't going to be on them, especially if Tiger plays all four days. Hope he makes the cut. That's about my only take on it. Yeah, that's yeah a good point. No. especially Scotty, who's who's just become number one in the world. That's normally a spot where um, you would get a lot of pressure and attention and really no better way to go into the masters as a freshly minted world number one than in the shadow of Tiger Woods, the, the largest shadow in the history of the game. And what about uh, Rory McIlroy? Kyle Porter wrote a, wrote a great piece there at CBS today and it's the quietest, you know, someone going into a Grand Slam attempt probably like ever, to be honest with you. Yeah, and the last thing Rory needs is more attention on him at the Masters. He does a good job of that himself. Patrick, I do want to hit some general gambling stuff before we actually get into the Masters itself. So I feel like even between the time we last spoke and this conversation about the Masters, golf betting has exploded even more. The live odds are always on the screen. For people who are new to this or maybe intimidated by it, looking to dip a toe into the golf betting waters. Do you have a few basics for newbies? Yeah, I think the best way to kind of attack it if you're just, you know, trying to get your toes in the game is just go like head to heads to start off. It's kind of like picking a football game almost where you could bet someone like a Tony Finau versus a Tommy Fleetwood for one round. And once you kind of get yourself underneath you, maybe you get into 
the place markets, like a top 20, where there's a lot more forgiveness instead of trying to pick a winner. I know they flash the odds up on the screen, uh, like every commercial break. Those like, I think those are extremely dangerous just because sometimes they're not up to date and you don't know if someone's made a birdie or bogeyed or whatever. Uh, so I would kind of just be a bit more uh, cautious to kick things off and then kind of get into it. Uh, and like those top 20s, top 10s and the matchups, I'd say, are the way to go. You mentioned a few different kinds of bets. Pick someone to win those head to heads, finish in the top 10, someone to make an ace if you want to get squirrely. I seen a lot of the first round leader bets that are out there. So do you personally have a preference or direction you would point someone to? Uh, for, for me, how I go about it is I'm pretty like cautious with my outrights. I, there's like a lot of people who will like post, they won, you know, this big ticket, but they're betting so many where to break even, they have to win an outright, you know, like once a month for me, it's like once every three months, four months, if that happens, I break even. Cause I understand how hard it is. You know, I've been, you know, betting since 2018, I've had the coldest of cold streaks before, I've had my hot streaks. Don't get me wrong, guys. You know, I'm, I'm good every now and then. Uh, but just be cautious. That's like the biggest thing I can say. And then once you get comfortable and once you, you know, remain disciplined, that's another good point I'd say is don't like up your bet size just because of something or just remain disciplined or remain cautious would be my two biggest points for that's kind of just betting in general. Well, that's the thing with golf is when you're betting a, a normal sport, like Two teams show up to the game and they both have a chance to win. But golf, it's like you're trying to pick a guy amongst a field of 150 guys who the margin between the first and the 155th is is so slim that like a good break here or there, you know, a, a hot week, a little bit of confidence, one tweak in their swing can be a completely difference from, you know, a win and a miscut and – it's just so hard to predict. So I don't know. I guess it's not a question. It's just, I'm just, <laughs> my head. I'm like, I don't know where to go with this. Trying to figure That's it good out. Wisdom. Good wisdom. Yeah. Wisdom. I mean, it's just so, it's so much different than any other sport. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with you. And I think a good kind of example is like, just look at the Vows bar where Sam Burns was like one of the favorites and, you know, Davis Riley easily could have won that tournament and he was closer to like 300 to one or something. And that kind of is the parody that is the PGA tour this season. All right. I have to put myself on a little bit of blast here. Um, I've been I've been putting some outright numbers out there this season. I had Jason Day before a tournament started at 100 to 1. I think it was at, was it at Pebble? It might have been at Pebble. He was out there and he was tied for the lead going in the last round. But there were like seven guys within one shot of the lead or tied for the lead. And... I couldn't think of a successful way to hedge that. I, I even put it out on Twitter. You, you may have responded, Patrick, and the field was too deep really to make any movement on it. And Jason Day made some noise, ended up not winning. All right, that's fine. I took Kevin Kisner before the match play at uh, 65 to 1. And before you came on, Patrick, I was just explaining that my girlfriend, uh, happy birthday, Lacey, turned 40 over the weekend. So we had a big bash. And needless to say, I didn't have my mind quite right on Sunday morning. But I did notice that Kevin Kisner was playing Scotty Scheffler in the final. And boy, I really should have hedged my bet there. So the question is, how does someone successfully hedge a bet? Because obviously, I'd have to put enough money on Scotty Scheffler to win that match against Kevin Kisner 
to make it worth my while, right? Like say I'm going to win 1400 bucks or whatever if Kevin Kisner comes through. How much money do I have to put on Scotty Scheffler? Let's say if he's a minus 110 to win that match to make it worth it. Or is any money worth it? Because no matter what, I'm going to win something. Uh, for that, I'm, I'm definitely hedging just, you know, splitting it in half, throwing, you know, I guess 700, 770 on it, uh, on Scotty. And, you know, th- those are rare occasions, really. I know for stroke play. Um, you know, we've had it a few times with a couple playoffs this year, but yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you, you screwed the pooch there, man. (laughs) I did. I knew that was, that was a long story to basically have Patrick say you screwed up, dude. Um, you mentioned the live betting on television. Is there anything to be gleaned from that? Like, is there value in live betting a golf tournament unless it's like Sunday afternoon on the final nine? I, I think there is, and I mean, you could have kind of just seen it at the players with the weather and whatever, and so that that's like a way to attack it and potentially get an advantage on a wave, a wave advantage. Uh, and then if if you look at kind of, I call them the sticky stats, you know, like the iron numbers off the tee. If someone is like performing very well in those two categories, but they're just not making an, enough putts, that's kind of a good way to look at it too. Like this guy has eventually he's going to start making putts. And, you know, the common example is always uh, Dustin Johnson at the Northern uh, Trust a few years ago. He put up, like, great numbers in round one. Everyone bet him at 20 to 1, and, like, next day he shot, like, his 59 or something, or he shot 60. And so that's – those are kind of the ways you got to look at live betting. What That that takes me into – my question is like, what are the best predictors of who's going to win? Who's going to perform well? Is there a stat? Is there like a strokes gain stat you should always look at? Is there a course? Like, should you look at their history in this course? Should you look at how they've been trending the last month? Like, what are the best predictors to say, like, this guy's got a good chance of of doing well? Or is it just like the best players in the world are probably going to, you know, eventually (laughs) if you bet them enough, they're probably going to win here and there. I mean, I hate to like not give you a straight answer, but it is a little bit of everything, right? Uh, you know, some guys are going to play well at uh, some courses compared to others. Like Kevin Kisner is not going to play well at uh, a Wingfoot or a Torrey Pines as opposed to an Austin Country Club or Sedgefield Country Club, those shorter uh, Bermuda tracks where ac- it's accuracy driven and you have a lot of wedges in your hands uh, as opposed to like, yeah, like Wingfoot, like that's going to be a Bryson. That's going to be a DJ, someone who bombs it off the tee. But uh, most predictive, a lot of people say it's off the tee play. I tend to disagree with them. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen like data golf and, and use them a bit. The way they use their model is uh, if they had like Bryson DeChambeau against Colin Morikawa in a vacuum, they'd probably make Bryson the favorite in that as opposed to me. I, I'd, I'd make Colin more of the favorite just because I find him a bit more steady uh, based off the numbers and I have. So it's really those sticky stats that I talked about. If someone's trending off the tee and on approach and the putting's just not there yet, uh, you know, like Colin Morikawa could win every single week. Justin Thomas could win every single week if they could put like a top 30 player on tour. So I don't want to spoil the actual picks coming up in a little bit, but just generally speaking, I can't really remember a Masters in recent memory where so many guys are plus 20 or lower to win outright. I think there's like 12 guys. So when you're looking at outright bets, is there a specific value baseline that you have to start with before you even consider them? Because otherwise it's not worth the risk because winning a golf tournament, even if you're John Rahm is so hard. 
The way I do it is uh, essentially I'm risking, I'm trying to get 33x my risk. So if I risk, you know, $3, I'm trying to get $33 and I'm, I'm staying at that baseline no matter what. So if I bet, let's say John Rahm at 11 to 1, I got to put all my eggs in that basket as opposed to diversifying. And maybe if I want to bet someone else down the board, I can't do that. Um, so that's kind of how I go about it. And like you said, this, this year is crazy. It's crazy at the top of the odds board. It really is, you know, with Scotty Scheffler, Cameron Smith, Hovland, Morikawa, Spieth. It's, you kind of got to like pick your lane at the top almost and, you know, have your convictions, stick with them. And, and yeah, it's difficult to kind of differentiate all those guys. Uh, but the way I handle betting is, I got to stick to that ratio of 11 to one uh, pretty much for outright betting. Who wins the masters? And I don't want like a guy, I don't want a name. I want a profile, like put on your FBI profiler hat. Like what type of player wins the masters? That's a great question. I will put my hat on. I don't have one with me right now, but uh, let's yeah, just that pretend. FBI, the FBI, the female body inspector hat. I see it right <laughs> from your Every Everybody had that hat when they were like 18, 19, and they were, I got my FBI hat right here. Oh, my God. Who raised you, Nick? Oh, my. <laughs> uh, but the first off is long off the tee. Absolutely. You don't need to be accurate off the tee. You think about Tiger, he's never been the most accurate. Phil certainly has not. Spieth has not. Uh, so accurate off the – or a distance off the tee is number one. And then really strong iron players would be the second part of that equation. Um, you know, it's easy to harp back on Tiger just because he's won it five times. But he arguably the best – you know, is the best iron player of all time. And, and then from there, you know, creativity around the green. And, you know, the more I say this, it sounds like Justin Thomas uh, – because you don't need to be a fantastic putter. We've seen it with Hideki. We've seen it with Sergio. Bubba hasn't always been the best putter. Phil in the early days wasn't that great either. Adam Scott hasn't been fantastic. So really kind of really long players who are, you know, can hit it high, uh, you know, really straight with their irons and have the ability to be creative from around the greens. I just, whenever I'm reminded that Sergio won the Masters, I just get a Little little tickle in my throat there. And he's been horrible since, at Augusta. He really has. I saw a stat today. It was probably Kyle Porter that said since 2014, Larry Mize has made as many cuts at the Masters <laughs> as Sergio Garcia. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. So we'll get to mine and Nick's Masters picks in a minute, and we'll see what uh, the expert Patrick is willing to reveal. But in an event like the Masters, does your usual equation of recent form versus playing a course well change given the uniqueness of this specific golf course? It does. It definitely does. Augusta National, when you look at, you know, all the st- all the courses, it it's by far number one indicator is course history at Augusta National. More than any other course on tour all season. A guy can arrive here with zero form whatsoever and can contend. I mean, we've seen it. I think like Fred, Freddie Couples was a 36 hole leader here, what, like seven years ago or something like that. Phil's always a threat, you know, not this year, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> He's a threat Tiger, to do other stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, we'll keep it at that. He is a threat. Uh, t- Tiger, you know, based on his health, he's always going to threaten here too. And so it does, uh, it does bring course history and more into the equation than it normally does. But I will say this. 2020, we saw a debutante finish runner-up in Song JM. 
And last year, we saw Willis Zalatoris do the same thing. So the learning curve is lessening for these younger guys. And you kind of have to look back at the Open Championship. I know it's a di- different major, but Colin Morikawa, first time out at the Open Championship, he wins. Uh, so this breed, this crop of new golfers, it, it's different for them. They're not afraid. You hear it all the time. They can win right away. And so it, they're an interesting group to kind of handicap at Augusta. As long as Will Zalatoris doesn't hit the ball inside of five feet, I think he's going to be fine. (laughs) The the old figure eight putting stroke. (laughs) What do you got there, Nick? I was going to say they've all been playing Augusta on the track, man, for like every day for the last three years. So so they're as experienced as anybody else, right? (laughs) Those track man greens are just like Augusta National Golf Club (laughs) for sure. I'm going to need those stats from their uh, track man machines. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we're going to get to the picks, but before we do, fellas – I spent most of my afternoon rewatching the final round of the 2019 Masters Tournament, and just all the memories came flooding back to me, including the fact that that bad boy started at about 7 a.m. They had to move those tee times way up because of a storm. So, boy, I really could have used tea box coffee at that moment. But I've got it now. It's roast to order coffee from the heart of Southern California, packaged for the golfer who can shoot 68 the golfer who shoots 112, and every score in between. Let T-Box Coffee fuel your morning rounds. That's promo code TURN15 at checkout for 15% off. Okay, so Patrick, here's how we do this. Nick and I will both pick a dark horse, a contender, and a winner. And I would love your opinion of each as we go through them. Let's do it. Uh, Joe, I don't think you can do worse than the Ryder Cup. I think you wanted to bet Ty, so <laughs> the, the bar is low. <laughs> Patrick, believe me, see some improvement. I was staring at the Bernhard Longer make the cut line for a long time before we hopped on. Uh, that's, that's much better that's than the tie. <laughs> yeah, that's much better than the tie. <laughs> uh, well, Nick, I have to regroup uh, in shame if you want to go first with your dark horse. Yeah, I have I have a dark horse, and this is the definition of a dark horse. It is the 944th ranked player in the world. He's 50 to one. I wish you could have seen but, Patrick's face when you reeled off that ranking. But, right but he has played at Augusta. He has some experience at Augusta. Okay, he's actually won there. Oh, how many fact, times? In fact, he won there in 2019 and four other times. It's Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Is my dark horse to win the Masters. Kill him, Patrick. If he shows up, he's got a chance. If he shows up, Joe, you said it best on this podcast a few months ago. If he plays the Masters, it means he thinks he can win the Masters. If Tiger Woods thinks he can win the Masters, then why shouldn't we think he can win the Masters? And so if you're not betting on him, you're betting against him. And I'll be damned if at the turn is the podcast that's betting against (laughs) Tiger Woods. So at 50 to 1, my dark horse to win the Masters is Tiger Woods. We're betting on him. I'm I'm kind of there for, just for vibes, you know. You you, you got to do it, right? Um, but I am not personally, <laughs> but wow. as, as a guest of the show, right? I don't have to buy into that, but I think you two have to legally. Uh, yes, your sponsors will let uh, make you do that. Um, he's nine hundred and what in the world now? Nine forty four currently. Oh my god, I had no idea. I, yeah, I guess. Two Masters ago. Yeah, that's a, a long damn time. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm out on that, Nick. But uh, Fair enough. Vi- vibes, though, 11 out of 10. Okay. Pick, pick. I'll take that. Like, I'll, I'll give you a two. Two out of 10. Uh, a few things there. 
I think we literally do have to support Tiger Woods because the Piper Golf social media account, one of our sponsors here, they got into a little uh, tiff with uh, Kyle Porter of CBS. <laughs> Kyle Porter all over this podcast. <laughs> they had it out on social media, so we are Team Tiger. And second, Patrick, is this true? I saw the most money f- for any golfer is, is coming in on Tiger. Did you uh, see that? I, I, I did not, but I could uh, I could do- totally imagine it, yeah. right? It, it, everyone bets on Tiger and... I mean, you'll never get a 50 to one on Tiger ever at the Masters. Well, that's good value. I'm going, (laughs) it's good value. (laughs) Oh man, Charlie's not going to be with him. It's something, it's something. (laughs) All right. Well, my dark horse is much farther down the board. He's number 49 in the world, made it out of pool play in the match play tournament made the cut in his only Masters appearance in the aforementioned 2019 edition. It is Short King Spring, standing at five foot six. He's 201 to win. I'm not interested in that. I'm grabbing that 14 to one to top 10. The man from Japan, Takumi Kanaya. Yeah, uh, that's definitely a bet as well. Uh, it's a person 14, in the field <laughs> 14 to one uh, I don't think he's playing too great at Valero currently mm. uh, but the kid the kid's a stud I think we all know that uh, I, I I don't know a ton about him to be honest with you I know he burned me at the match play because I had Xander Shoffley coming out of that group <sighs> um, but Xander is a whole different story talk about a guy who has no gumption uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. so I mean you could do a lot worse. You could be betting Tiger Woods at 50 to 1. You could be doing that. And you're 14 to 1 to top 10. He could sneak yeah. in there. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Could be inspired by Hideki last year, too. There's a lot of storylines. You could do some mental gymnastics there. Oh, oh I, like I did. You're already implementing Patrick's advice by taking the top 10 bet and not the outright. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. I'm listening. I'm learning. Good study. Right. Okay, I've got a contender. And um, <clears throat> I think I'm going to make up for my for my Tiger pick here. Okay, this guy, he's number 24 in the world. He's the best player on the PGA Tour in the stat that measures how good you are against other PGA Tour players. Strokes gained overall. He does have one top 10 in the Masters in his career. And another guy that's 50 to 1, Matt Fitzpatrick. Mm. He had a T5 at the Valspar. He shot four straight rounds in the 60s. I'm, I'm loving this. I don't mind it. I'm uh, I'm kind of a I'm oh, kind of a bet. long term. I'm I'm an anti Matt Fitzpatrick stand. <laughs> uh, I mean, we just talked about you need to be long off the tee. That's not really his game. He's more he's kind of like a Kisner type almost, where he's accurate. Uh, his wedges are really good, but yeah, I mean, top ten course history is there. Uh, recent forms definitely there. But uh, who's the last guy who won his first uh, tournament as the Masters? Was it a uh, Charles Schwartzel, was that the guy I want to say maybe? His first PGA Tour title. Maybe Danny Willett, his fellow Englishman. Matt Fitzpatrick, he just hasn't shown up in these big fields, and he's only out there winning uh, you know, over in Europe. So I need to see it in kind of a casual PGA Tour event before I'm betting him at the Masters. Fair enough. I'll Would give you-, you props eventually. I swear, okay. guys. Don't no, I, do, I do feel like, and Patrick, this is flies in the face of all the great numbers and statistics you've provided – Aren't we due for a Danny Willett or a Charles Schwartzel? I feel like we haven't had one of those, the Masters, in a few years. We've only had these marquee dudes winning at Augusta recently. And every 
I don't know, half dozen years, you get one of those weirdos in there. Trevor Immelman wins by five shots out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah, I, I think you're right on it. And everyone's so focused on kind of the top top odds boards, right? Those 10, 15 guys at the top. And I think you guys had the right idea kind of pepper in that 50 to 80 range, but I don't think you guys have said the names quite yet. Well, my contender is also <laughs> in that range. Also, from Jolly Eld, England. Well, I don't know if Jolly describes this guy. Number 18 in the world, solid form coming in, has multiple top 10s abroad and in the States, and he's won in America. 50 to 1, don't call me Terrell. Tyrrell Hatton. That's something I could get behind. I will say I, I would tread a little lightly with him just because. Usually speaking, he, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he could get kicked off the grounds for all we know. An <laughs> early round two WD swept out through the night. Uh, but he's been just like red hot with the putter. It's been all putting for him. And uh, he's typically a very good iron player. Uh, I think he was he was top five in the world, I think, last January. He's kind of fallen off a little bit. But his irons are typically good. And, uh, yeah, I don't mind that. I'm not too sure of his major championship history. I'm willing to bet that it's not fantastic. Um, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Like, he has some <laughs> like a smattering of top tens, but it's not like one of those guys who's been knocking on the door and it's like, well, Tyrrell's going to come through eventually. Yeah. So that's kind of that's, – that's sort of my little bugaboo with him where – uh, his last win in the States is, you know, the API a few years ago. And uh, it's still kind of a show me thing. But I, I have a, you know, I said Matthew Fitzpatrick. I almost have a vendetta against English golf, I want to say. that I mean, between them, Tommy Fleetwood. I just bet on these guys all the time and lose money. So <laughs> I'm sure we've all lost money on Justin Rose at one point or another. Yeah, exactly. I bet him at the players. Like, I'm the biggest dummy in the room right now. So <laughs> who am I the one to be giving advice? <laughs> all right. Well, this, this, this pick, I, I already can tell you're not going to like based on um, your, your tone. <laughs> this you is your winner. Name earlier. This is my winner. And he is number 10 in the world. No, say it with your chest, Nick. Come on. You were coming in guns blazing earlier. Three masters. T2, T17, T3. Joe has been all over this guy and not hit. But it's finally Xander Shoffley's turn to get his major, <laughs> to get his master's. He is a guy who's been knocking on the door. He is a guy who's been right there. He's coughed up a master's, and it's time to take one home, baby. Okay. You know, I, lo- I love the energy there. I love the energy, Nick. But <laughs> he has one full field event win in his entire career. The master's is not a full field event. <laughs> but it kind of – there's a cut. There's a cut involved. <laughs> and so he has one win with a cut involved in his entire career, which is unbelievable for a top 10 player in the world that he's been able to do this. He hasn't won on tour since the century a few years ago. You know, he got the boost from the Olympics. Uh, but when you're betting these top end guys, it's really, for me, it's a matter of, do I trust this guy on the back nine on Sunday? And was Xander, uh, I mean, we just saw it at the match play. He missed a lot of crucial putts there. I can't I can't trust him enough to justify the twenty twenty two to one you're paying. Okay. But okay. Nick, I still love you, man. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Now, this one I feel great about, but as we talked earlier, the top of the board, the numbers are not gonna be great. This young man has intestinal fortitude. He's the only man, not Nicholas, Palmer, Woods, Mickelson, to shoot four rounds in the sixties at Augusta. This year, he shot 34 under in Hawaii. 
Then he took home a cool $3.6 million for winning the players. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy! I got Cameron Smith at 14 to 1. I dig it. I think I think he has a real chance to win. I really do. And I'm kicking myself because there were 30 to 1s out there at the <sighs> beginning of the year. And he wins a century. You look at it, it's down to 25. You're like, oh, that'll still be there come Augusta. Down to 14. And you're just looking in the mirror, putting on the clown uh, makeup. You're like, why, <laughs> why didn't I bet this already? Uh, and yeah, we've seen at Augusta, Australians love that course. Uh, so I, I'm in on Camp Smith for sure. I like that bet. Okay. Well, there you go, Nick. I have uh, Takumi Kanaya to top 10, Tyrrell Hatton, and Cam Smith. You have Eldrick, Tiger Woods, Matt Fitzpatrick, and who was your winner again? Xander Shoffley. Xander Shoffley, gold medalist, Xander Shoffley. Okay, that's all the amateur stuff, Patrick. I don't know how much you want to save for your online readers and how much you can share with us. Maybe you could at least tease what you're thinking. Yeah, for sure. And... You know, I'll preface this by saying Harris English WD today. Mm. I had a futures bet on mm. Harris English to win the Masters. So my my resume on this show is not looking great thus far. So maybe Xander Shoffley will win after all. <laughs> Let me just preface that. But if we're looking for the best value on the current board and you want to place an early bet, uh, Shane Lowry you can find at 90 to 1, oh. uh, which, which I think is very intriguing. You're getting a guy who's a major champion. Uh, he's a he's a top 10 iron player over the last three months, and he's kind of just been struggling on the greens. But like I said, poor putters, they come around at Augusta, and he has that creativity. So he, he's the guy I would tease at 90 to 1. But yeah, I think there's going to be some market adjustment, hopefully before Thursday, where we find some drift on the guys who aren't catching a lot of uh, action, whether that's you know, Patrick Cantlay, who just burned a lot of people at the Players' Championship, and if if more money comes in at Scotty or whatever it may be. So I just keep an eye on that. If you think someone's going unpopular, wait before uh, they tee off on Thursday. Can we talk about your brother and Patrick Cantlay? Because I was watching the 2019 Masters, as I've mentioned several times on this podcast already. <laughs> Dude made an eagle on 15 to grab the lead and then promptly made a bogey on the next hole. He finished so strong at the end of last year, but he hasn't really done it in majors. I can't figure that guy out. Is he a dog or not? I, I can't tell either. And it was like his coming out party was at BMW Championship. I was I was lucky enough to like be there on the grounds following that group. The last uh, 36 holes, it was unbelievable. I was like, this guy's a stone cold killer. You know, Bryson's like making faces at him and everything. He's in Bryson's head. But I mean, granted, who the hell is not in Bryson's head? Fair. Uh and, you know, he you saw him thrive at the Ryder Cup. He took down Rom at the Tour Championship. And he just lays like an egg in these big events. And like yourself, I can't really figure him out. And Augusta should be his place. It really should. Uh, you know, I'll take a pass on the Players' <laughs> Championship. He's never figured out Sawgrass. Uh, and I think something to keep an eye on is just, you know, his warm up because of his back is so long. The stop and go and the cold. Uh, at Ponte Vedra there was always going to throw him off. So the weather looks nice for Augusta. I, I'd be willing to forgive him for the players. And, you know, I think he does have a nice week. I think he, he'll top 10 at least. For the record, and I have to get this on the record, my original strategy was to go Hideki. But he's been a little gimpy. I think he had to withdraw uh, a couple weeks ago. I really wanted to take the Hideki back to back because he's played really well. He's a there's a tiny bit under the radar. I think he can get him in that like twenty two to one range, but 
the health. I'm just worried about the health. Yeah, and uh, I think he withdrew from the Texas Open Pro-Am, mm. and he was thinking about withdrawing before the tournament. He played uh, played round one, shot two over. So the neck's a real issue, and so I would just steer clear. But I'm with you. He, his form's been fantastic, and you know, why not go back-to-back? Are we idiots for <laughs> not putting Colin Morikawa somewhere in between? Joe and I get six picks. I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty <laughs> healthy number of picks. And none of those we spent – on Colin Morikawa. Is that is that the dumbest thing we've done in this podcast? I mean, it just seems like he's the most obvious winner of this tournament. It does, but I, I've mm-hmm. I've been told that him and his coach are working hard. He he doesn't mm-hmm. like where his swing is currently. And the iron numbers, like, sure, they're they're good for tour standards, but they're not good for Colin Morikawa standards, right? And for him to win, he needs to be gaining, you know, nine strokes on approach. And he's just not doing that right now. Uh, he's like missing a little far, uh, too far right. I heard he doesn't really love the carbon driver that he's put in the bag. His driving accuracy has gone are you, down. Are you breaking news on this on this podcast? <laughs> Don't at me. Do not at me. <laughs> Whatever you do. Uh, so, and I mean, I'm just not there. I think his short game's not quite there yet. It, it will be eventually. I don't think it's quite there yet to win at Augusta. And the same obviously goes for uh, Victor Hovland. <laughs> yeah, right. so... Give me, give me a top of the board guy that you're really fading, and why? Uh, for me, it is Hovland, strictly because of the short game. I oh can, wow! I can't, I can't trust him. He's, I think there's like 214 players on tour. He's 213th in strokes gained from around the green, <laughs> which is absolutely ridiculous for the world number four for a guy who could have been the world number one if he had like won at uh, the players or something. Uh, so I'm out on him, and I could, I could list him off. I'll, I'll list you all the guys who aren't going to win. Uh, John Rahm, not going to win. Agree. Uh, Rory McIlroy, not going to win. <laughs> yeah, that's a laugher. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Scotty Scheffler, not going to win. More Ooh, I pause you there. <laughs> Tell me why. I, I, he, he needs more reps under his belt. And wow. I, I think, uh, yeah, he's the hottest player in the world by far. You're going to sound like an idiot for a guy who's won – three out of his last five starts on the PGA tour, but uh, he's, he's not there yet. Okay. His, his, his approach games, not as sharp as it needs to be. Uh, and so I'm, I'm out on Scotty Morikawa, Hovland out and uh, Xander Bryson Hideki out. <laughs> okay. I'm not, I'm not going to go too far down this road, but there's two names that stood out to me that you did not put on that list, which means that you think that these two guys can win the Masters, which would be huge news. Jordan Spieth and Brooks Kepka are the two that come to mind. Yeah. You like them? Sure. I do. I, I absolutely do. And Spieth, uh, he can't putt lately. And you saw it at the match play. He was bad. He was bad in, in Texas as well. Uh, and if he putted well last year, he should have been your Masters champion. I think he was like 58th in strokes game putting out of like the 60 who made the cut or something. Uh, Tita Green, he was like number one or two, and I mean, he he mentioned it himself on a few podcasts. He said, "If I just made putts, I would have I would have won the Masters." Uh, and then for Brooks is, I mean, think about the last time he was healthy here, 2019. Joe's been bringing it up a lot. It, that's the last time he was healthy at Augusta, uh, and his major pedigree is just unbelievable. He probably should have won the PGA. He was right there at the U.S. Open. Uh, top ten at the Open Championship, so you're getting him at you know twenty to one is yeah. a pretty uh, pretty tantalizing price on him. <sighs> and that's a guy on the back nine, Nick. Who do you want, Brooks Koepka or Xander Shoffley? <laughs> <laughs> you do? 
wait a minute. You do? Who would your wife want? If, 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 if you guys put your hard-earned American dollars on one of those two, I know who your wife is taking. Uh, okay. So this is the part in the podcast where we typically have a mad golfer of the week. We look at reviews online about courses that are relevant to us or whatever we're talking about. And believe it or not, people have a lot of opinions about Augusta National Golf Club. Today's Mad Golfer of the Week is C. Aaron J. from Salem, Oregon. C. Aaron J. says, quote, My comment is for those of you that like to play golf, keep up with the pros on TV, and are thinking about traveling through Augusta and would like to get a glimpse of the facility. If you want to keep your dignity intact, don't go near the place. There is no visitor parking, no access to the gift shop, nor is there even a billboard that says, Welcome to Augusta National Golf Course, home of the Masters. But if you do show up looking to take a picture, the only thing you'll find there are security guards that are happy to let you know what a piece of crap you are, (laughs) daring to show interest in such a prestigious place that you aren't even worthy to lick the dirt off the cleats that have walked the course. As far as I'm concerned, if they don't want curious people coming around looking for photos to buy souvenirs, they shouldn't be hosting televised events. That is your Mad Golfer of the Week, C. Aaron J. of Salem, Oregon. C. Aaron J. clearly does not own a set of golf clubs. Thinks Augusta National is a museum and not a, I don't know, the most private exclusive golf course in the world or a top, I don't know, three on that list. Um, he's like, well, there's no visitor parking. I can't just roll in off the street. Where's the sign? my Wendy's and go to the gift shop and buy myself a nice master's polo, which thank God they didn't let him to the gift shop. If he saw the prices oh. for like – a, a master's polo or hat, he would he would have lost it right in the pro shop. Going buck wild. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like C. Aaron J is a long way from Salem, Oregon. Uh, <laughs> sure. But you got to respect the hustle almost, you know, just trying to go in there oblivious. It's like, <laughs> hey, can I get a pimento cheese sandwich? I hear good things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Nick, we didn't confer about this beforehand, and we probably should have because we had some time. Do you have a Nick rules for today? If we're doing a podcast, Joe, I got Ah, it's time for Nick Rules. School us, Nick. All right. So today we're going to be talking about Rule 5.6a, which this will become clear at the end of this segment why we're talking about this. Unreasonable delay of play. Uh, You must not unreasonably delay play either when playing a hole or between holes in the penalty for breach of this rule. Your first breach, one penalty stroke. Second breach, the general penalty, two strokes. And for the third, breach disqualification. The reason I bring this up is because this isn't the exact rule. The PGA Tour has their own sets of rules um, and the way they dictate their pace of play. But during the 2013 Masters, young 14-year-old Chinese amateur Ting Lang Wan became the only player ever known to be assessed a slow play penalty in the Masters. It was a windy day on the 13th hole of the second round. He was put on the clock. And after on the 17th hole, he was informed he had incurred a one-stroke penalty. Still went on to make the cut at 14 years old. A ridiculous penalty assessed on this 14-year-old amateur playing in the Masters on a breezy day. And that is your Nick Rules. So a kid, literal kid, 14-year-old, doesn't speak the native language, was put on the clock, assessed the penalty, and then had the balls to go on and make the cut? That's right. Wow. 
That is impressive. I don't remember that. I feel like I would have remembered a 14-year-old kid playing in the Masters and making the cut. I, I You know what? You're as soon as we're done, me? we're just about to wrap up. I'm firing up the 2013 <laughs> Masters. I'm going to check this kid out, see what's happening. We're going to close with some old-timey whimsy from Chichi Rodriguez. He says, quote, The first time I played the Masters, I was so nervous, I drank a bottle of rum before I teed off. I shot the happiest 83 of my life. Chichi, we can all relate a big thanks to patrick mcdonald again for being on the podcast check out his stuff get all his official bets and make money by what he says don't listen to us listen to patrick he's a writer at nbc sports bet and at nbcs edge golf i don't know why i struggle with that so much i worked for nbc for like four years and i still can't say that for some reason that's ridiculous patrick thanks for your time dude we really appreciate it joe nick always a pleasure appreciate it guys I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.